0: And then the process would do different things depending on the situation you know but these general guidelines are there so salah so you have certain times uh you have mm-hmm. the morning time the process would be very active right uh there's certain things that just he would do and he would say never give them up right like praying in Doha or doing this doing that so these things are important for us to understand develop a frame of, of work of reference that there's certain things that we have to have certain structure in our life and there's flexibility within those, the type of activities that you do, you know, as long as they are beneficial, they're, they're uh, you know, you're productive.
1: assalamu Alaikum all, and welcome to another episode of the Optimized Muslim Interview Series podcast. This is a series in which i like to interview inspiring muslims that i feel are excelling in different areas of life and i like to delve deeper ask them questions about their way of thinking mindset decision making the steps that they've taken and inshallah hopefully we come away with tools tactics and strategies that we can implement in our own lives and become better muslims inshallah so with that being said um alhamdulillah i'm very happy Today we've got a special guest, Ustad Gabriel Al-Romani, who's joining us from Malaysia today. Uh, Ustad, how are you? Assalamualaikum,
0: alaykum Alhamdulillah.
1: Wa alaykum wa rahmatullah. So just a, a brief bit of background about Ustad uh, Gabriel. He's currently working as a principal in Malaysia and educational consultant. He, Prior to this, he's worked in different fields and he became Muslim in 2003 at the age of 19 and then he studied in psychology, neuroscience, and he's been working in counselling as well. And he's got a YouTube channel that I've been following for the last six or so months. That's very good. And I'll also link in the description, inshallah, for everyone to follow and check out. Um, With that being said, um, Ustad, just uh, getting straight into it then. I wanted to skip over the conversion story because I'm sure that there are some other videos on that already Um, but i just wanted to i'm just gonna follow my own curiosity inshallah so after you converted age 19 let's say you became settled as a muslim to now if you could just give like a brief summary of like the steps that you took and um, the kind of the decisions behind that inshallah
0: okay Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu, wassalatu, wassalam, sallallahu alayhi <laughs> khair. thank you so much for having me alhamdulillah and you know all the brothers and sisters who are watching this may Allah wa bless you hope it's going to be beneficial with regards to yeah my conversion to islam and the detailed steps till today so today as we speak i'm 37 years old so it's been some time hamdulillah um since i've taken my shahada and i've outlined and detailed all these in my new book called journal of a new muslim that alhamdulillah the struggles that i've gone through personally and also i've connected them and i've wrote about them because of i've been working with new muslims for all these years so i've always find that we go through kind of the same struggles and the same issues so I've outlined those in my book for those who want to see inshallah they can. But really quick, um, actually, I didn't settle into Islam right away. It was quite a very turbulent and very difficult path the first five years I was say. And again, according to my experience with new Muslims and with counseling specifically, uh, new Muslims and you know people who are Muslim for whatever since they're born, uh, it's it's tough. You know, the first five years for someone who decides to start practicing Islam. You know, be it that they were born Muslim and then they just decide to start, you know, committing to Islam or that they're non-Muslim and they take Shahada, it, it was tough. You know, it's the first few years is very, very tough because there's a huge realignment that you have to do in the way you think, the way you act, the way you know everything pretty much is you're, you're changing your whole psyche. So yeah, it was quite difficult. It was a difficult time, alhamdulillah. But um really quick, I think I I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving me the ability uh to to start studying right away i was you know taken by you know uh one of our you know dear respected sheikhs um even as a new muslim like i was like within one year of islam you know just taken out under his wing and taught and was able to study with some real you know good brothers alhamdulillah and then having the, the social support friendship of my brothers mm-hmm. uh, from all over the world you know pakistan you know everywhere you know where my brothers you know uh, egypt in university were just there for me when i needed that shoulder to lean on right and then just the allah's blessing you know sometimes to be honest like when i look back at the difficulties i'm like it's only by allah's blessing blessings Mm. that i stayed in islam you know after all the issues that i've gone through and after all the issues that many new muslims go through some of them or you know there's even some statistics about 50 percent or more a uh, turnover they, they leave islam you know within the first year right so alhamdulillah i think allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that for the support from the people from you know the support from the from the scholars from the support from those who are around me alhamdulillah so yeah. i was able to focus in my education development that's what my teachers to say you know you got to keep moving this is the sunnah of Allah you have to always challenge yourself you don't have a purpose in life you're basically just static and being static is equals to death you know you're basically just existing taking space and time and whatnot so I said push yourself always push yourself always challenge yourself you know take yourself to the next level and that was a person who was he himself doing that you know was a, was a sheikh was a was a phd student was a he memorized with the quran was just a successful person who was doing dawah. so i you know he was someone who was living you know what they were talking about mm-hmm. the theory so it was very inspirational you know it was very inspirational for for us young you know muslims so alhamdulillah i took that path and you know just day by day challenging going through the challenges working through it Mm-hmm. and you know alhamdulillah I was able to to graduate you know my first degree then challenge myself again was able to move to the middle east and uh you know work and then again getting to management getting to schools became a school principal counselor mm-hmm. and imam khatib, khatib so it just mm-hmm. all these experiences brought me to today you know where we're talking right now and what i'm doing today it's all a, you know it's kind of like a sum of all the you know, the experiences and education yeah. that I've had brought me till to, to today, alhamdulillah.
1: Jazakallah khairan. So um, in this period when you were learning with the brother or the sheikh that you said took you under his wing, at what point did you decide? Did you have a plan as to what you wanted to do with the next 10-15 years? Or did you come yeah. to that afterwards? Or was it just how things fell into place? How would you describe that?
0: i think that's the yeah that's perfect question and uh, i've had a plan yes i had a plan and my sheikh was helping me with that plan right and i think that's where a lot of educa- uh, educators teachers sheikhs fail to do, uh to do that we don't have that tarbiyah that the prophet used to do with the sahaba where there's Absolutely. that proximity where he would actually do tarbiya. Tarbiya is taking someone from point a to point z or point whatever you want to call it um, helping them being involved today we kind of just lecture people we just do lectures there's no more disciples a uh, very few scholars that take disciples scholars today are just youtube Instagram. I'm not I'm not disrespecting anyone, please. I, you know, I understand how difficult it is for them There's a lot of pressure a lot of people asking questions They have their own lives blah But see when you take that path, you know that this is gonna come to you You will have to build disciples you will have to sacrifice You know, I always tell my family, you know that, you know, you guys married into a uh, You know to someone who's you know, just you're not number one in terms of things like this is, this is the way it is Dawa is number mm. one for me and mm. is you're gonna you're gonna have to share my time with everyone else, with the rest of the world. And they they need to agree to that. Because a lot of people do want to do da'wah and they want to follow the paths of the prophets and whatnot. But then when the difficulties hit, you get challenged, you get pulled from this side, from that side, you get questioned, people come after you, then people start kind of backing off, right? You can't. That's not the uh, sunnah of the prophets, right? So yeah, I had a plan and well, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners. So that plan changed a lot, but there was a clear vision as to what mm-hmm. I do. So for mm-hmm. me, the plan was, and as I, my, teacher, my, my teacher taught me, and as you know, connecting to the Quran Sunnah, that the the, the objective has to be very clear. You know what you want to get. You want to get the pleasure of Allah. You want to make sure that Islam is the dominant system in this world, that this is <laughs> that this is the way, the solution to all the world's problems. And that's what you're gonna to try to do. How you do it can change. You know, the means, the asbab will change. So I wanted to be a doctor first, right? So I went into that and, you know, so I, you know, that that didn't kind of work out. And then I just kind of made an adjustment and I was always very intrigued about psychology and the human soul. So, you know, I went to biology and psychology and neuroscience and cognition, understanding the way people think. I did some research, Parkinson's. Um, you know, then went into education. So the, the changes were happening. So I did, my first degree was in, in psychology and then went into education because I thought, okay, like, so I didn't make it as a doctor, but that's good. I'm happy, alhamdulillah, because I worked as a, uh, a respondent in the, uh, you know, emergency. And for years, actually, I volunteered there and worked there. And then I realized, you know what? I think I'm happy that it didn't work out. And mm. then I said, okay, how do I now, you know, still connect to people. I want to work with people, but yeah. maybe more than just treating their physical needs. I'm going to treat their spiritual and, and psychological needs. So I said, okay, this is cool. I like it. Let me get into education because I need to understand what the problems are. Cause I realize that there's a problem in the world. You know, there is a problem within the fitra of humanity. Things are changing fast. There's a lot of new systems and ideologies that are coming up really fast and I need to address these. So where can I position myself as a solution to certain world problems? I cannot solve all the problems, but maybe a few that I can focus on and specialize in and work within these. So, okay, I got into education. I got to understand my students, be it in the West, then I moved to the East, understood the students in the East. I realized, hey, they're not so much different than the ones in the West. You know, they're having pretty much the same problems, despite what some of the people say today that oh, the problems in the East are different than the problems in the West mm. and whatnot. Mm. Don't listen to the people in the East. Don't listen to the people in the West, whatever. They're all the same. We're living in a global village. So that helped me to understand the problem, you know, giving the khutbas for so many years, parents would come after the khutbas, you know, being a teacher, parents, students, everyone, you know, it would just come and say, okay. What you said is resonating with us. We're having this problem, that problem. Then I started seeing patterns. I started seeing, okay, same issues coming up again and again. So I said, okay, fine. Now, what do I do? Okay, so I, you know, at the same time, I was doing my Islamic studies, my bachelor's Islamic studies of Sharia. So that took quite some time. Alhamdulillah was a blessing. And so finished that as well. And then I said, okay, now I think I need to, you know, get more, like I'm already doing it. I'm already counseling. So then I started doing my degrees in counseling. And mm-hmm. then I started just practicing You know, I was practicing whether I want it or not anyway, because people are just, there's so much need, you know, just being mm-hmm. an Imam, just being a khatib, just giving the khutbah, like after the khutbah, you have so many people storming you. If you mm-hmm. talk about things that are relevant, if you're talking just about some theory, a lot of sadly, you know, khutbahs are just done, kind of like, okay, brothers, let's fast, let's pray, which is very important, we have to. Yeah. Uh, then okay you know you're not gonna get so much but if you're talking about you can connect the Sira and the Quran which I'm not saying I'm the only one doing it. there's so many people doing it but mm. you get so many people coming and saying, you know what I have a problem I have a problem mm. I have a problem can you help me can you help me? and you need to you know to be ready to sacrifice for that those people you need to be able to connect to those people to understand what they're going through to empathize and you're saying look I will try to help you, you know what I mean so Alhamdulillah, the plan was clear. Objective has not changed yet. The means to get to the objective have changed, Alhamdulillah. And I think that's one of the problems of what we're faced with today with youth is that they think somehow that they, you know, they keep changing their mind. I don't know what to do, I'm confused. It's not, they're confusing the objective for the means. And that's why the means change a lot. You know, sometimes you fail in your university or then this program or that plan that you had. And then you give up because you think, Oh, I don't know. I don't have a purpose. No, you need mm-hmm. to always keep your eyes on the purpose clear. And the means will change. Some of you will fail. I failed so much in my life. I failed a lot. Alhamdulillah that I've done. Alhamdulillah, you know, and you it taught, yeah, it taught me a lot. Alhamdulillah. So I thank mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. And I'm not shy to say it. You know, I made many mistakes, but, um, it's been a great, you know, a great, great journey. I still make mistakes, but I don't doubt myself. I don't doubt my objective you know i never doubt myself i know i make mistakes i know i've done a lot of issues problems but i never doubt myself and what i'm going for because Mm. it's very clear the quran is very clear as to what we have to do
1: you know right yeah i think that's one of the problems of the youth or a lot of people not just the youth and it's been capitalized on by i say capitalized but it's just happened that way by you know jordan peterson these kinds of speakers and they, they're surprised by the amount of response that they get because yeah. they say, Oh, there's, yeah, I've read, I've, re- I've listened to it as well. He's got his new one coming out, but, um, and it's because- bad he doesn't
0: like Islam. He, he hates Islam. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. And there's, um, this lack of purpose. And he says, people come to me and I, I give them purpose, but for Muslims, it's already there we don't even have to wrestle with those questions you know like the existential questions the that kind of so i've always thought that for muslims you've got most of the life's difficult questions already there for you so it's just about but then what advice would you give ustad to say someone like yourself they have this grand vision that you always that's always there to motivate you right Um, Or even say through this project or something else where you're working for the deen in some capacity, right? Or trying to benefit people. You've got something that motivates you. What about someone that thinks to themselves, you know what, I'm not practicing or what's my purpose? I can't talk about this. Their their whole purpose is going to be different or it's hard for them to connect it to Islam.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, not not everyone has to be a speaker or a die or a YouTube person or a podcaster or anything like that. I mean, that's a hype that's put out there because of social mm. media, right? There's so mm. much happening with podcasting and mm. people making money on YouTube, streaming and whatnot, right? So everyone, like, I've, I've done a, you know, I always, when I start a new class with my students, I always ask them, you know, what's, what's your plans? What do you want to be? I literally just ask them, what do you want to be? And they're all like... I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be this. I want to be that. And I'm just like, why? Why? Mm. Or just like, they don't know why. Because that's what they see. That's what they see as successful, right? So finding purpose in life, you know, you have general purpose, which is as a Muslim, you have to, that is something you need to come to terms with. That if you're a Muslim, if you accept Islam as your truth, then that is your worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your servitude to Allah, your you know, your 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 direction towards Jannah is clear. Now, how you get there, the details, okay, that's what you need to figure out. That's where we come in. That's where counselors and sheikhs and imams and people who are motivating you uh, come in. So you, the person who's maybe not, you know, does not see a purpose, is still responsible. Every human being has been created in such a way that they're not just lost, you know, and they have an idea that, okay i need to find something i need to connect everyone knows that that's why even the people like that i counsel right they all come and say i don't feel like I, i'm doing what i am supposed to do what i'm supposed to do right so they have that cognition that something is missing and that is part of the fitra. allah has built it into us we have to have a purpose and i always break it down to four things i say and this is my my counseling approach as well based on positive islamic psychology counseling number one like as a human being honestly let's even put it aside before even let's say you take shahada or you convert to islam or you find that islam is the truth the human being has to has to know who is his creator if they don't know that there's a creator and who is that creator then they're lost you know and being not being in sync with your fitra and the way you were created naturally you were created to know your creator you know or to want to know your creator if that is missing it's equal to depression and anxiety that's why people turn to drugs this that they look at different philosophies and they need to fill a void but you have to fill that void with the right thing so most people cannot cannot find it or they're, they're they're not finding the right thing because they're not looking in the right places so you need to know your creator okay number two you need to know yourself if you don't know your who you are you don't know your fitra. you don't know what's your weakness what's your strength then again, you are lost. You are equals to depression, anxiety, right? So again, you have to turn to drugs, to different, to music, to all kinds of stuff to fill that void. Number three, you have to, some people, even if they achieve that, i.e. Muslims, they know Allah is Allah, they know they're Muslim, they're supposed to pray this and that, but they cannot reach point number three, which is what's your purpose in this life? You know, What did Allah create you for? You could know Allah, you could pray to Allah, you could do all that. That's not the only purpose. You, you need to know how and what is that purpose, right? And that is to, to be in the service of Allah. And it's not just to pray and fast. There's so much more to that, right? So that itself, when you achieve that purpose, that's when you have, uh, you know, you feel like you, you count, like you mean, like you have a, a direction. Okay, and number four is the details of how to achieve that. How do you learn, how do you how do you get there? You know, a doctor maybe, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a podcaster, maybe you're, I don't know, you know, a cleaner, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? There's amazing stories and amazing incidents where people are just dishwashers or cleaners or whatever, but they found purpose in what they're doing. They were, you know, that was just their, their way. They would talk to people and they would change people's lives, you know, on the street or something like that, you know? and it doesn't matter you don't have to be a doctor not Mm -hmm. everyone is going to be a doctor some people Mm -hmm. are street cleaner cleaners you know but they they find whatever they do that they can you know connect to people and still fulfill their objective you know by doing what they're doing you know and you find that a lot in certain places um so it doesn't matter it's just where you are and what you can do with the resources that you have but if those four points are kept in mind and specifically, you know, after you know, Allah know yourself, your objective in this life, you can find so many resources in this world. You yourself position yourself in the way you want. You have that choice, and you start looking at the world from a different perspective. You know, not from society's eyes that oh, you're, you're a loser or you you haven't done it right. Why? Because society thinks that success was just a person who is a doctor and engineer. Who's got you know six figure salary or whatnot? That's not the way it is, you know. But mm. society conditions you, so then you mm. feel like you're not fulfilled. So then, if you can, you feel you're not fulfilled, equals to depression, anxiety. <clears throat> uh, it, it feeds back into the negative cycle of not feeling good and just being depressed, and then you know it's it's just gonna keep going. So mm. find purpose, but know your your objective and and connect on every level and find the people who are going to help you and coach you and realize you inspire why do people find inspiration in this non-muslim guy you know why am i reading this book i'm trying to understand certain aspects i'm not necessarily recommending this person or endorsing this person i don't agree with him he he doesn't like the prophet and he's made it very clear in some of his lectures okay and he's totally uneducated on that point as smart as he is Okay, Jordan Pearson is an ignorant person when it comes to Islam and the Prophet and The statements that he's making show that. So he can know so much about a uh, a lobster and the you know the the, the yeah. nervous system of a lobster, yet he knows nothing about Islam other than what he's heard or seen on the news mm. or certain books that are biased. But you're mm. intellectual. You've done so much research on a lobster, and, yeah. you know, you've written so much about this and yet you are making ignorant statements on that. So, yes, I'm calling out Jordan Peterson, that he's an ignorant person when it comes to uh, to Islam and the process and based on what he has said. Not because I hate him, not be, I think he's a very smart guy and I think he'll become a great Muslim. And I think, you know, more Muslim intellectuals should challenge him and, and, and give him dawah. And if this guy would become Muslim, then man, you know, that would be something, you know. And yeah. yes, he can. And yeah. so, inshallah, I think... Uh, it's important to, to, to understand what I've just said.
1: So I think you also have the, like you mentioned, you have the unique experience of living in the West and also coming from a convert background, um, and then also living and working in the Middle East. So like you said, it allows you to understand the mindsets of a wide variety of people, even if like a global village there might not be that much of a difference but at least you won't have you know how people say that there is a difference at least you get to understand the nuance behind it um, but I just wanted to shift towards um, your YouTube channel and the different content and the ideas that you put out there inshallah and because that's initially what um, drew me towards your content. After I saw your interview with Usad um, Daniel you? Hey I had seen you before um, for the viewers. I know I've seen you on perhaps a different YouTube channel from years ago, but then I hadn't seen you for a few years and I, I know you've been on some TV channels as well. Um, but then when I saw the content that you were putting out on these topics and different topics, martial arts, um some even fashion advice some uh, i saw a video on um perfume advice for men and then masculinity horse riding and then also topics like marriage and things like that
0: yeah
1: when was that um were you always like this or was it a conscious decision that you made to kind of go in these directions seeing that other people weren't talking about this topic other yeah. learned people
0: Right, mashallah, that's a great question. So obviously I think um, coming into Islam, my first, my first um, passion, my first uh, field of work was of course um, education, and specifically it was to deal with uh, new Muslims, right? Why, because I was a new Muslim, right? So I was a new Muslim, so a lot of my focus was on new Muslims, dawah, to uh, to to non-Muslims because that's where I was, you know, and right? so I think we definitely as human beings, we, we change, we grow, we adapt depending on what you know society throws at us. So um that was one of the things that I worked in. And I said, okay, that's that's good. Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of people are doing that. I said, how can I now focus a bit more? Right? Let me let me focus a bit more. Let me try to to be a bit more specific. So new Muslims I'm still working with no doubt. And um uh, it's a very something that's very <laughs> you know, close to my heart because I am still a revert or convert. I'm not a new Muslim anymore, but I'm, you know, what qualifies as a revert or as a convert. So definitely that's something Then I moved on, you know, to again, moving around the world. Uh, when I became an educational consultant, I was being called to different countries to do lectures, to work with communities. I started talking to people more and more. I started talking to my students, more teaching in different countries and again, seeing patterns and seeing problems. And then, you know, of course, meeting with some of the sheikhs, like, you know, as I, as you said, right, I worked with Dr. Zakir Dr. Muhammad Salah, Sheikh Asim al-Hakim, all these people that you guys see, right, we worked with Huda TV, with Peace TV, with Iqra, with so many mm-hmm. different channels that we started doing TV shows. And I think it was when I went to Egypt first uh, to to film for Huda, where I, I wanted to do a show that was a bit different. No, actually, sorry, I started with Iqra. It started with Iqra, which is a Saudi-based channel. It's in Arabic and English as well. And they came to at that time I was in Dubai. And we filmed something called uh, Youth Problems. And it's still available on YouTube. You know, It's called Youth Problems, where I'm interviewing these three young you know, boys, right? Talking about different things. And things that came up out of those interviews was like homosexuality and, uh, you know, uh, dating and zina and drugs and alcohol and... And I was like, okay, and that's exactly what my students talk about in class. You know, uh, that's the, the things that parents come and talk to me about the khutbas, you know? And and so I said, okay, I see something, all right. And then I was discussing with the sheikhs and the, you know the different scholars, and Mashallah, they were focusing a lot on like, you know, uh, you know developing yourself, seeking knowledge, uh, praying, fasting, the different uh, fiqh rulings, uh, the different madhabs and this and that. I said, mashallah, you know, definitely these guys are extremely qualified and much more qualified than me, you know what I mean? And alhamdulillah, I felt that there's enough people talking about these subjects, you know what I mean? The importance of seeking knowledge, the importance of Arabic, Tajweed, Quran, memorization, tafsir, right, there was a lot, fiqh. I said, alhamdulillah, okay? I said, what was missing though? I felt there's, there's a fiqh of current issues, you know, And we find that the scholars of old, this is not something new. The scholars, be it Ibn Taymiyyah or Ibn Qayyim, or depending on what issues they were faced with, right they were writing according to those issues. Their fiqh was developing and writing according to those issues. So I said, okay, let us not compromise our traditional you know, approach and our aqidah and our values and so on, yet still talk about these things. How do I connect Quran, Sunnah to things that youth and and the Muslim community and non-Muslim community are faced with today, right? So I again, as I said, the sheikhs were talking about many different things, and I said, let me look at what is missing. And I felt that there are no, no khutbas that are being given, for example, on polygyny, right? Yet polygyny is a big issue in our society, in our community, be it lawful or unlawful. So non-Muslims are doing polygyny unlawfully, day and night, you know, they're committing zina and having girlfriend, boyfriends, whatever, you know, right? The Muslims are also, Uh, you know, doing that. But people are not talking about what's allowed, what's not allowed, how to do it, what's happening, this and that, you know, Mm. marriages are falling apart. There's this and Mm. that. I said, okay, when is the last khutbah? No. And when I talked to some of the chefs, they said, look, man, (laughs) we don't want to be killed by our wives or the community. You know, we're going to lose our jobs and so I said, okay, no problem. Like, it's okay. I'm not going to worry about it. Even though, yes, I I almost lost my job because of talking about these things. Uh, And I've been you know, given official warnings by my company to keep quiet and start, stop talking about this stuff, mm. you know, and that's in a Muslim country. Uh, so it's kind of funny, right? Because people don't want to talk about real things that are taboo, mm. you know, but it is part of our community. People don't want me to talk about LGBTQ. And that's what it said in my warning letter, you know, and I'm like, wait a second. So on one side, you're coming to my office in which I'm sitting right now. And you're telling me that your child is gay and please help me on the other side when i'm educating the community about it you're like Shh, keep quiet you know mm-hmm. why 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 this why this fear why why are we being cowards you know what right mean? so yeah. yes i decided to talk about these things i decided to put it up in the khutbas, in the <clears throat> you know sit on the member and talk about real stuff to do the lectures because i felt that there's again i'm not saying i'm the only one talking about it. there are people talking about it but how do we Talk about and connect it to Hadith, to Quran. People say Quran, Sunnah, Quran, Sunnah. But when we talk about Quran, Sunnah, it's just like talking about just academics. How about issues that we're faced with in real life? You know what I mean? How about these problems that we see in our society? Why are the our youth not developing themselves? Why are they, you know, just static? Why are they just on games? Why are they not? Why Why are men and women not taking care of themselves? How about religious men and women who say that we're practicing? Why are brothers growing big bellies, you know? Uh, even teachers who are preaching, and then my students will come and say, I can't listen to this scholar because he just doesn't seem like he's practicing what he's preaching. I cannot disrespect the scholars, or I'm not going to name any. Audhu Billah. But it is an observation that is valid by these youth, right? Yeah. You know? it is a valid option the process didn't even though when he became older yes there's a different story right but the process was such an active person the sahaba you don't have to be have an eight pack that's not what i'm proposing that you're the muslim with the eight pack you know beach body that's not how the sahabas were you know and the process is said that you know yes his chest was over his belly okay in in, in shamal al-tirmidhi when you look at the description of the process his chest was above his belly, so he didn't have this bulging thing. But we find today over and over again that some of the people are talking about Islam don't look like they're practicing what they're preaching. Allah knows best, I'm not judging anyone. Yeah. I'm telling you what the students are saying, what the youth are saying. Does that mean it's, it's it's true or not? That needs to be examined, not everyone, you know? But when you look at it, when they come, when you see, like someone was telling me the other day, bro, why do you like, you know, I have a group of, of you know, men that we're, we're coaching and I do these like videos. And he said, You're always out of breath when you do these videos. You should sit down behind a desk and do it. I was like, <laughs> That's exactly what I don't want to do. I don't want to sit behind a desk like I'm doing right now necessarily. I'm just sending two minute videos on this group dealing with, you know, it's like, Muhammad, we have 500 brothers on WhatsApp and Telegram and we're dealing with how to help them stop pornography and how to help them develop themselves right so Mm. i'm usually sending the videos when i'm outside exercising in the morning like you know right after fajr running so i'm like okay brothers you know we have to do this and they're like bro just sit down and take a breath and i'm like no i I don't want to do that i want it to be different i want to if i tell you let's go for a jog or you go for a jog or do push-ups i want to do it myself you know what i mean i live my life like that i've always been active So we have to, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, or you believe why you say what you don't do. You know what I mean? It's a big thing. So, yes, indeed, going through life, moving around the world, dealing with the different communities, seeing the the gaps in the da'wah uh, made me say, you know what? I will fill up this thing. I'm not the only one. Uh, Maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of mistakes, no doubt But I think I'm I'm not I'm not in doubt about what I do. I am very clear about what I do and um, I believe it's very important.
1: Yeah That's exactly why I wanted to get you on because I feel similar way myself when I see what's going on and one just slight thing that I mentioned before moving on is one thing that I like about your videos is even though you touch on these topics it's maybe the psychology background or the counseling background you do it with a degree of empathy meaning you give disclaimers I know some people get annoyed at the disclaimers because they're like why do you but (laughs) I know you mentioned that in one of your videos but it's good because it shows you're considerate as well and it kind of um what's the word, it gets rid of people just picking out the easy thing to say just they don't want to listen to it so they just say this to kind of excuse themselves that's one thing but i think the other thing is you know i feel like da'wah coming from someone like yourself is more effective to the youth because they see someone once i heard the imam say carry your faith with swagger and he didn't mean any kind of negative notion that you might have with that word he meant like a bit of style a bit of so when the youth see you they see someone who's like themselves in a way that they can respect that they think looks the part and they don't put you in a box whereas if you just come out of the madrasa system and you've got a long thobe, there's nothing wrong with that like you say but you just have a different image. They, they'll automatically put you in a different box. They'll be like, he's like that, so he's not like me. That's what I think it helps relate.
0: It's a very good point. I mean, I wear a I wear the khutra, I wear the the imamah sometimes. I wear my suit, I wear a bow tie sometimes. I wear, you know, whatever is you know, and I, I'm okay. I've researched this and I know what's halal and what's haram, even though some people might disagree with that, mm-hmm. you know, but... Isn't it when you look at the Prophet? ﷺ, like that was one of his sunnahs of being able to adapt within the halal to the way that he talked to the people, to the way he related to the people. And it's called a connection in psychology, you're connecting to the people. And I think the Prophet was an expert at that. You know, people say, Yeah, but he was wearing this. Well, look, Abu Jahal was wearing a, a thobe and a turban, a turban as well. You know, the Prophet was not necessarily distinguishing so specific from the kufar in that. Because some people will say, Oh, you know, you're mm-hmm. being so close to the kuffar. Abu Jahl was wearing a turban. Abu Jahl was wearing the same, but there was specific things that, yes, the Prophet said, in look, he would distinguish from the Kuffar. But I think that's what we need to connect to those that we are inviting, be them Muslims or non-Muslims. We need to know how to connect to them, how to appeal to them, how to, to, to reach out so that they can open their minds, their hearts to at least understand the message. Whether they accept or not, that's up to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. No? Yeah. You cannot guide those whom you love. Allah guides whom he was. But we need to try our best. This is a sunnah. I believe I, I have my backup for this. this is a sunnah that the Prophet used to adapt but never compromise. Okay, there's yeah. a limit to that adaptation. There's a limit to how you speak to people. Because I know some people just go too far. You know, and they're like, oh, but this is just to uh, make sure that yeah. the people understand this. No, some people compromise. It's a slippery slope. Yes, so we don't do that, inshallah. Mm-hmm
1: so the next thing um I wanted to ask you about inshallah is I saw in one of your videos you had um something and you've got a course on this as well i think the masculinity the masculinity um course or you said that there's a systematic attack on masculinity I just wanted you to talk about that and um Talk about why you think there's an issue because a lot of people they won't even have the correct notion of masculinity. So if you say, "Oh, there's a crisis of masculinity," they'd be like, "What do you mean? I go to the gym, I do my bench press, I'm a man," you know, that kind of thing. They don't understand the true essence of it.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to masculinity, see, it's it's linked to the fitra. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has created us men in a certain way. Has created women in a certain way. If you just observe what's happening in today's world right now, things are crossing over men are becoming more feminine women are becoming more masculine okay and all kinds of different things in, in between why because very simple allah created us in a certain way and creating us that in a specific way that fitrah allows us to understand his guidance better so allah has created the the hardware which is us our biology our psychology okay then he has given us the software which is the wahy, the revelation quran and sunnah you know, throughout the history of mankind, through different prophets, how to operate, modus operandum, you know, how to move forward, how to live in this life, okay? When the recipient, the fitra, is damaged, then you cannot, revelation cannot come in, you understand? So when a person has damaged their sexuality their you know, whatever part of the LGBT, okay? Of course, they're going to have issues with Islam. They're going to be like, what the heck? I don't believe in Islam. I don't agree with what Islam says about this and that, right? Because your fitra is damaged. You know what I mean? When a person is engaged in and riba and taking interest and making a huge, you know, out of it, a huge uh, uh, income out of it, of course, they're going to be like, I don't agree with Islam and the concept of riba. Why Allah would declare war on me? I'm just doing business. I'm being honest, you know what I mean? So you have to understand that fitra is is something that is Allah has decreed it for us, has put it for us, has created for us, and we have an amana to protect it. So when it comes to masculinity specifically, as we're males, I talk about femininity as well, but uh, you know, your question is about masculinity. I believe that, you know, we human beings are conditioned. That's what dawah is in the end, you know, influencing and telling people. So they can be positive dawah, it can be negative dawah. So we're conditioned today um, to, to act in a certain way, you know, media, the food that we eat, the environment, everything has affected that fitra. specifically for us, masculinity. So, men are not real men anymore. They're males biologically, but they're not men. What do you mean, brother? Well, very simple. What's our standard? Our standard is, again, of course, as Allah says in the Quran, you know, the Prophet is the best example. And then after him, the Sahaba. So when we look at that definition, those were real men, rijalun, okay? ولا, you know, عبي, uh, as Allah Subhanahu says, that these are real men, that they do not get sidetracked by their tijara, by their, you know, from the remembrance of Allah, right? Mm-hmm. Real men, okay? Uh, we see that Allah Subhanahu wa sent men as prophets, only men, okay? Even though some, some, a very small, you know, number of scholars have said that, you know, Maybe there was salam could have qualified as, you know, this is easily refutable. Okay. It was always meant that were sent as prophets and there is a reason for that. So the these real men, the Prophet, a.s. A.s., the Sahaba, the Prophets, those are our standard. Okay. So when we compare today's men to that, we find that there's a big difference. It's not about bench pressing. You can get the guy with the biggest muscles, bench pressing, you know, uh, 250 p- pounds or whatever. In the end, he cannot stand against oppression. He's too weak. He's too mm-hmm. scared. Uh, he's too into this dunya and his paycheck to be able to stand against someone who might be able to pull that paycheck away from him. You know, he, he, you know his, maybe his wife is, is not practicing and she wants to put makeup and go out and show herself to other men. You know what I mean? As as and flaunt herself while she's in the house for him. She's gonna look, uh, you know, in her pajamas, right? But he cannot stand up and tell her, woman this is wrong. You know what I mean? And he sorry, Annie, I'm sleeping on the couch every day, and you're not looking nice for me in the house. When you're going outside, you get two hours to get, you know, yourself ready. So he cannot control that. He's not he's not mad enough to tell her, you know, because she's gonna scream at him and she's gonna tell, him, you know, you're sleeping on the couch tomorrow or tonight. You know what I mean? So he's not a real man. You know, he's not a real man because he cannot take care of his parents. You know what I mean? He's just focused on investing in his PlayStation five or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, these are the things that we see within men, you know, and they run away from responsibility. So he might, you know, have a few kids here and there, but then he's just moving you know, he cannot take care of them. He's not responsible. He's not mm-hmm. a father. He cannot father. There's a difference between having children and being a father. So he runs away from things. He's going, you know, to drink coffee with his friends, you know, every day, or whatever, or smoke shisha or something like that. You know what I mean? because he cannot take on responsibility it stresses him to see a child crying or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. So you see all these things, real man is not about muscles and lifting things mm-hmm. or about watching UFC or about punching yourself or whatnot, mm-hmm. even though yes, some things are important to take care of your body, to be able to defend your family to be, you know, combat train and so on. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a whole mindset and it's linked clearly to the Quran and sunnah, Based on the example of the Prophet and the Sahaba. That's our standard. It's a very clear print. There's no doubt about it. Like, there's no, like, oh brother, I think this is your opinion. It's not my opinion. It's not mm-hmm. subjective. It's very mm-hmm. clear. This is what Allah has said. That's why we have so much detail about the Prophet Prophet's life and the lives of the Sahaba. There's no such detail. Compare that to the Bible, for example. You don't, you know, you cannot know who wrote the Bible, even to Jesus' life. You know, we know more about Jesus' life from like you know some of the uh, hadith that we get in islam that we get from the bible you know what i mean mm. in terms of details there's mm. just so much details about prophets in our lives that there's no room for you to say like hey man i think that's your opinion you know i right? know look at how these men lived look at what were their ethics their morals their code of conduct right and then it's very clear as to what you have to do because allah says that this is the example Allah says, anhum that He is pleased with them. Don't you want Allah to be pleased with you? So then you need to focus on. It. So there's a whole wide range of things. You know, it's knowledge, iman, uh, you know, bravery, strength, uh, compassion, mercy. All these things put together in a package. Not one extreme. Oh, I'm so strong. Or one extreme. Mm. Oh, I'm so passionate and so compassionate. No. It's a whole package that you take it together, and that's was exemplified in what we call insan kamil or the full-fledged perfect individual which was the prophet so that's why i you know I, i talked about these things about the muslim alpha man course so it's a course that helps men to focus on these these aspects and to work towards these aspects so they can become the best person they can get back to their fitrah so they can understand revelation better practice it better and everyone wins their women the women will be happier their wives will be happier their parents will be happier the community they'll be more productive everything will be better if these males become men according to the standards of islam
1: mm. And is that course still on offer? Is it something
0: you still offer? Okay so what I was doing I was doing just like one-on-one coaching for those who wanted to take it with me and go through the modules and right now I'm working on actually putting it out there as a um, like learning uh, management system where they can go through all the modules and do the work and then hop on to the personal coaching the groups that we're doing That we have you know constant uh you know support for brothers uh to develop themselves so yeah you get to access this community of brothers from all over the world who have one goal you know just to please allah and to develop themselves to become the best they can become better husbands better sons better you know uh, employees better ceos whatever they are wherever they are in their lives whatever they're doing is just about bettering yourself and becoming a better man you know right Mm.
1: JazakAllah khairan A couple, two or three more questions inshallah I'm very appreciative of your time So these are going to be more based on um, Your routine and how you fit in certain things So you mentioned exercise before Um, Is that something, you know how people have like Non-negotiable activities in their day Would you say for you, exercise, fitness is that a part of that, or do you just um do you have like a structured way of doing it, or is it just whenever you get time, or how do you um kind of
0: incorporate that into your day? Okay, that's a very good point. Yeah, so that is, I think, uh non-negotiable. Like if I stop moving, it's it's just you know, and that's the problem with most men, they stop. They just stop. And a lot of believe it or not, I know a lot of people are not gonna like that, the wives are not gonna like that, but most men stop or slow down when they get married, okay. And they'll find a an excuse. They say, well, I'm busy and this and that. Yeah, but you're not busy to spend an hour on your phone. You're not busy to watch some stupid show. You're not busy to, you know, take that time, restructure your day and use that time towards yourself, towards self development. Okay. So for me, it's very simple. It's very simple. Again, we I don't want to come up with my own things. I want to follow Quran and Sunnah as much as I can. So the Prophet said, There's it's been made blessed to my ummah. He made du'a. Allah has blessed the time in the early hours. Okay, so if you don't wake up early, then well, good job because you're gonna be uh, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. by the time you wake up, have your coffee, get past the you know the the headache and whatnot, start being productive by 12 maybe. Khalas by 12 I'm already done, man. By duhr time I already done my day. So Mm. yes, I wake up. I try to wake up a bit earlier than fajr. If we can put in some qiyam there, alhamdulillah, that's good. It's not you know every day necessarily but then you wake mm-hmm. up at Fajr, and you start your day early, you know what I mean? So usually with some exercise. So I would say at least five of the seven days I get out to either jog or to my gym, uh, to boxing, to, you know, uh, to the bag, to my, you know, high intensive jog. Uh, I need to move, you know, I keep a variety of things so I don't get bored. So I alternate things, uh, but it, it happens at least, you know, five days a week has to be. And even the rest of this, uh, the other two days, it'll be work in the morning, either like, you know, this morning, I've been having interviews. I didn't have my exercise, but yesterday I was, you know, doing my running and all Mm. that and day before. So I keep the morning busy, make sure, because I get so much done in the morning. So the morning is busy work, exercise, uh, you know, uh, whatever has to be done, meetings, whatnot, recordings, lectures, and usually by duhr time, I'm pretty much, you know, ready to do whatever else I want to do. Uh, you know, if I have family issues or whatnot, but that morning time is so important. Like that routine, like there's no, if you look at the life of the Prophet the only thing that was written in stone or, you know, fully, you know, it's the salah, you know, that's it. as to ala that the salah has to be, you know, on its time, right? Even there, Isha can be delayed a bit, right? It's a sunnah if you pray in Jama'ah and so on. We see this hadith, right? Uh, but the salah is very, very, you know, that 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 teaches is discipline, right? And then the Prophet would do different things depending on the situation, you know. But these general guidelines are there. So salah. So you have certain times, uh, you have Mm -hmm. the morning time, the process would be very active, right? Uh, there's certain things that just he would do and he would say never give them up right like praying Doha or doing this doing that so these things are important for us to understand develop a frame of, of work of reference that there's certain things that we have to have certain structure in our life and there's flexibility within those the type of activities that you do you know as long as they are beneficial they're they're uh, you know you're productive it's adding to your goal it's adding benefit to what you're doing then, alhamdulillah those will always change depending on the situation what's happening in your life and you know what your kind of you know your goals are so yeah it's definitely something that's waking mm. up early and having a structure is very important
1: mm. would you say you're um in terms of your day are you very strict with like the time blocking or are you more like free-flowing and then how do you, you know, with like uh, social media, how do you manage to cut off the whole content, YouTube, social media with work and not let it constant like check messages and that kind of distraction?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, um, I have my weaknesses, no doubt. So I'm not so like, I'm not a person who has necessarily an agenda. Like I have a, uh, a planner, Usually I use Google planner cause that kind of links to my email. So I schedule, okay. My, my meetings and whatnot, but I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like, cause some people you see, mashallah, I see some of my colleagues, they always have everything like written down, color coded, mashallah, very like tack tac tack, you know, very, very regimented. Mm. I think I'm a bit more, more organic. I do write things down. I have my notebook. I have, I like to write things and put them on, you know, like kind of like on, on my, you know, on my to do on my. On my wall and whatnot, and have little you know notes here and there, uh, but I'm very like I'm quite flexible. I'm organic, as I said. As long as the general framework is there, okay, of how my day goes: sleeping, eating, exercising, my work. Right, because I, I work as a school principal. I also work as a counselor. I have a lot of clients for counseling. I have a lot of parents that come in have issues. Staff this, training, you know, inspections and whatnot. And then of course my my media, social media content, I try to produce something every day, at least uh, one or two lectures, one or two postings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not that regimented, but I try to make sure, as I said, morning time is just work, you know, like put in as much as I can, really mm-hmm. grind before Dohur, grind as much as possible, all my work, okay? And then depending on the day of the week, sometimes at night, if I have extra time, I will be, you know, recording something or not. And then I try to have my family time, of course, and you know, whatever else I need my studies, I'm still studying. I'm always studying. So Mm. everything gets, you know, parted, but again, I'm not like, to be honest, I'm not so like, it's Mm. just, I don't know. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I think that's Mm. maybe a weakness in me. Maybe I'll be more productive than what I am right now, but that's just kind of like how things are for me a bit natural. It's a bit more organic, you know, right. Mm. Even with food and diet, like today, I had a, a discussion with the brothers earlier and they're asking me, you know, they're all like doing intermittent fasting, you know, right. is yeah. such a big thing, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's doing. It. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm, I don't do it. I, I'm just, and they're like, why, you know, what's your diet? And I said, I don't have a diet. It's just one third. I don't overeat. And usually I don't eat, too late and that's the sunnah so right the process didn't really he usually he would usually go to sleep after Isha so i don't eat late at night so my body kind of rests for about 10 11 12 hours during the night mm. and that's it you know I'm, i don't push it because i've seen a lot of people going into these like all these new fasts and new research blah, blah, they get so excited about it yeah. and within a month they just fall you know because they can't maintain it mm. it's just i don't know, so i just yeah, alhamdulillah. I mean, it's, it's it's structured yet not so regimented. not yeah. so like crazy, you know.
1: Barakallahu mm. feek. So, jazakallah um, khairan. This was a real honor for me. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah for... This is the kind of stuff I'm into. So it's good to hear it from a Muslim, someone practicing, someone who's living the life, someone who's rooted in Islam. And jazakallah um, khairan. May Allah bless you and give you more. And... Um, Inshallah, I'll link your YouTube I recommend everyone checks it out And also the new book that you've got out uh, The Journey After Becoming a Muslim And um, I think everyone I want to create like a list of people So when they see the interviews There's people that I feel like They can benefit from And you're definitely one of those people So again uh, JazakAllah Khair And it was really good to talk to you As-salamu alaykum
0: As-salamu